promise, Lord, never again. But I also know that you know what a weak-willed person I am. I'm a wonderful person. Hello and welcome back to the Tread Weary Podcast. My name is Pastor Carlton Smee and I'm your host here at the audio arm of TreadWeary.com where we gather around the Word of God to hear what God has done for us. So much of our time and our life is spent trying to make God happy, appease God, appease ourselves, appease others. And we find ourselves stuck on this treadmill because we'll do one thing and then we fall back and then we have to keep going, trying to do something else. And we find ourselves going nowhere we, we, and, and needing to have God come and do his work in and amongst us. I had a visit with someone today who is sharing about stories that she has of people who were going in a particular direction in their life, and suddenly the Spirit came and did some work in them that they were not even expecting, that maybe they didn't even want to have happen. They were happy with their life the way it was, and yet God comes and does something for us, transforms us, forgives our sin, even when we don't expect him to, and lives and dies and rises again for our sake that we might be redeemed from sin, death, and the devil, as Luther calls it. And so Treadweary is this notion of being tired, of continually trotting along in one particular direction or another and never finding ourselves getting to the place where we feel complete, whole, perfect, and realizing that we never will and needing to have Christ do his work for us, and come and share himself with us. And so we've been gathering around the Word, and one of the things we've been particularly doing is we've been going through the Gospel of John very slowly. We're we're only in uh, chapter 18 right now. There are only 21 chapters, so that's it's not only. We're almost done. But this has been over a year now that we've been doing this very slowly, and we've been looking at it through the lens of worship because we often take our worship for for granted, especially right now in the midst of COVID. We, we just want our music back. We just want the songs back. We just want this or that back. We need to have our time in church to be a particular way. And what we're starting to learn, hopefully, maybe the Spirit is doing this work upon you. It sure has done on me is that I'm starting to discover there's all sorts of things that I'd created as golden calves in my life, especially in the church, things that I've wanted as a pastor, certain things that I want to be able to do and I can't. And starting to realize that I had actually made church and worship and God those things rather than the God who gives life and breath to all living things. And so what we're doing now is we are looking at the story of Calvary, Christ's way to the cross, the story that should be first and foremost amongst us and in our minds and our hearts before our eyes. And we're breaking it up into a few little pieces. Last week we looked at Christ before the high priests, and and now we're going to be looking at Peter, Peter and his denial. And I, I, I like to jump those together because 
Although John breaks them up into pieces so that it fits into a nice little narrative like a movie where it flashes from one scene to the next and then back to the other scene, I like to look at them as a whole to see what is happening there. And so we're going to be reading in John chapter 18, so get your Bibles out, and we're going to be beginning at verse 15. If you need to, you can pause this and come right back, but we're going to get started here. Verse 15 of John 18. Simon Peter and another disciple followed Jesus. Since that disciple was known to the high priest, he went with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest, but Peter was standing outside at the gate. So the other disciple who was known to the high priest went out, spoke to the woman who guarded the gate, and brought Peter in. The woman said to Peter, You are not also one of this man's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. Now the slaves and the police had made a charcoal fire because it was cold, and they were standing around it and warming themselves. Peter also was standing with them and warming himself. Skipping down to verse 25. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. They asked him, You are not also one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the slaves of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, Did I not see you in the garden with him? Again, Peter denied it, and at that moment the cock crowed. Let us pray. Gracious God, please open up your word to us that we might see the places in which we deny you, but also know that you do not deny us before the Father. In your name we pray. Amen. Peter always gets a bad rap, right? He's known for his denial. <laughs> that's that's what he's known for. We, we, we know of him as the, the rooster that crows three times because he denies Jesus three times and he leaves weeping, although here he doesn't leave weeping and, and all these things. And, and John's the one who names his names him as the one who cut off, uh, the, the servant of the high priest's ear. So he gets convicted of that. And then he gets convicted of, of this, this denial. And it's interesting to realize that these are the people that Jesus has chosen. He, he chose 10 dudes, one who betrayed him and killed himself nine who ran off, one who knew the high priest, was buddy-buddy, was able to go in the courtyard but remained silent, said nothing in defense of Jesus, and the other who denied him. What a great crew, right? I'm guessing if Jesus were uh, were in the county lockup, uh, he would call to ask them to help bail him out, and they'd maybe say nothing, right? What a great crew, and yet these are the ones that Christ has chosen, these disciples. It becomes this this picture of a disciple, we always want to see them as these holy men, these saints with halos on their heads. And yet we start to discover the disciple is not a perfected human being, but is a flawed, sinful one. One who many times will deny the Savior, who will doubt, who will flee, who will not chase after the things of God sometimes and needs to be wrangled back, needs to be found by Christ later on and forgiven of all his sin. Well, here in the story, we have Simon Peter and another disciple. Uh, we often think of this as John because John was not wanting to name himself. But it's interesting that these disciples were followers of Jesus. And John says, Simon Peter and another disciple followed Jesus, <laughs> followed him with his captors to the high priests. And this, this other disciple gets to go inside. He's known by the high priest. He's someone who would who'd maybe be a family friend. Is there a possibility that maybe he comes from a priestly family on, on one side or the other? Uh, 
or or his father was of some prominence, John's father, John and James, their father was of some prominence, some big fishing magnate that uh, he knew the high priest well enough. You know, maybe the high priest came and, and performed, uh, performed uh, John's bar mitzvah. Who knows? But he's able to get inside. This is another picture of this disciple. It's not some special zealot. It's somebody who was an inside person, an insider, and yet he becomes a disciple. That says, so he went with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest, but Peter was standing outside at the gate until John shows up and says, he's with me. It's this, there's one question that comes up right away, right after the woman asks Peter if he's one of the disciples. Two, she says. You're not also one. As though John had at least confessed that he was a disciple, that he, and he confessed it in such a place that could endanger his life. It brings us to this question of when it comes to church, we often think of what gets people in the pews as gimmicks. What gets people in the pews is special programs. What gets people in the pews is a charismatic speaker or fantastic music or lights or a great building or whatnot. And yet a lesson we can take from this, a lesson that we can take for our worship is that often what it takes is for one of us first to be daring enough to confess their Christ in a place that maybe would feel uncomfortable in front of friends, at work, uh, on the street, wherever it might be. But then you go and you find that friend and you say, he's with me, I need to bring him to Jesus. Even in the midst of Christ dying. There's a there's a, a, a meme, a, a picture, whatever you want to call it, going around online. It's been going around for years. And it talks about how 86% of people come to church, not because of the pastor, not because of the music, not because of the programs. They come to church because someone asked them. And then the overwhelming majority of people who then come to church stay because they make friends at that church where there could be turmoil, there could be good pastor, bad pastor, good preacher, bad preacher, good music, bad music, good coffee, bad coffee, good programs, no programs at all, but they stay because of the friends that they make. And here John steps out, makes sure to let the woman know he's with me. And then John brings Peter into the realm of Christ there in that courtyard where they might see what is going to be happening there. What is this precursor to Calvary, to the condemnation that is going to happen from the religious leaders, afraid of losing their religion to this Jesus who comes to free us from all the bonds, including the religion that we think we can use to save ourselves. And here John gives of himself to bring another person into the midst of Christ, to think of our worship even on Sundays, as opportunities to bring people into relationship with Christ, that that maybe should be the focus of our life, uh, not, uh, not trying to get them to join up to something that they shouldn't join up to or, or whatnot, but actually to hand them over to Christ, even when Christ seems all but lost. 
that it looks like, oh, he's going to die. He becomes worthless to us. This, this savior who, who doesn't wield a sword, he doesn't sit on a throne yet, he's just there about to be stripped bare and nailed to a tree, and yet that's this Jesus that we offer to the people who come. And we bring those people in, saying, well, they're with me. But it is, it is fascinating to think what John had to say of himself in his relationship to Jesus because the woman does ask, you are not also. Juxtaposed against Peter saying, heck no, I don't even know the dude. John and I, we're just fishing buddies. And it's even more interesting when you think about it that often the worst of our sins need to be sinned for us truly to know Christ. This last Sunday, we had folks from Minnesota Adult and Teen Challenge. It's a, it's a program based uh, in, and I believe there, I believe Jamie said there's five places. I think Duluth, Brainerd, and like three places in the cities. That it's and one in Rochester, so maybe six. I can't remember, but it's a, it's a place that takes people who have hit rock bottom with when it comes to drugs and alcohol, and. Unlike with NA or AA, they bring a religious aspect into it. They, they use the freedom that Christ brings to, to steal away from us our idols, which, which is what addiction is. All of us are addicts. We just get a, some of us get addicted to things that are going to kill us. And, and Christ is proclaimed the gospel, the good news, that, that the drugs and the alcohol do not define you anymore. Christ, Christ does. And the people that you spend your time with, who, who bring you into this lifestyle of drugs and alcohol, uh, of, of, of abusing them, they don't define you either. Christ does, and his mercy. And it's there also, too, that people then feel mercy. They, they receive mercy, some of them for the first times in their lives. And here we see in Peter, as he's brought into that courtyard, he's still sinning. <laughs> it's not as though he's perfect. And he takes the time to answer the question. No, I don't know him. Yet Christ knows him. Christ knows who Peter is. Just like Christ knows you, Christ knows me. Well, Peter makes himself comfortable. He sees the, the, the slaves and the, and the soldiers, they make themselves a fire, and he goes and he stands in the enemy territory, making himself warm by the fire, and there was something about Peter that was recognizable for some of these folks. Maybe it was because he wasn't the normal crew that was there. He wasn't a, a slave. He wasn't part of the temple police. He wasn't part of the Sanhedrin. He wasn't dressed like a priest. But something was noticeable of Peter, that he was somehow connected to this Jesus, to this Christ. And I wonder how often our confession of Christ, our, our prayer, our, our true being as Christ is needing to be saved for other Christians and for our own worship. Meaning, this is what I mean by this, that 
oftentimes we are at our most quote-unquote Christian at the times when we are trying not to be. And yet we save what we think is the best of us as our Christianness stuff, our Christianese for church, saying amen, praise Jesus, all those things, whatever. Making our confession, saying the creed, making our prayers. uh, And it, it should be used for others. And yet we save it to only be visible or we think anyways for other Christians and for our own experience of God. When the reality is, is that God is going to use you as a light for others, that your, your time in worship with God should be a time to feed you full of Jesus, full of the Christ, full of the gospel. So that when you leave that place, our worship should direct us towards being one who might, warm themselves at an enemy fire to be noticed as one who knows this Jesus becomes a place in which often Jesus will step in and interrupt what we think is our normal daily life so that he might be made known to those who are in need of him. A connection of our worship feeding us in order to be used by God to create more worshipers. Because often it's our worship that leads to to folks not wanting to be (laughs) Christians. And it takes time of experiencing Christians outside of Sundays for one hour a week. Another, Another thought would be, in our church, in Lutheran church, we often are liturgical in our context. And so there's certain parts of uh, the liturgy, regardless of the Lutheran church that you are in, that are proclaimed every Sunday. One of those being the creed, whether it be the Nicene Creed or the Apostles' Creed or Athanasian Creed if, you're, if it's Holy Trinity Sunday. And the creed being this confession of this is what we believe. This is what we hold on to. This is, this is what defines us. This is how we paint a picture of ourselves by, by saying, I believe in God, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, saying, well, there's a creator and I'm not it. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who is, you know, made incarnate by the power of the Holy Spirit, became man. All these things that we confess as our creed. How often we need to ask ourselves, is that something that, a statement that we would make outside of church for one hour a week? And I don't know. Maybe that's the prayer that we need to be having every Sunday from now on. God, cause me to proclaim the creed <laughs> in public once this week in some way, shape, or form. God, use me at a time when I don't want to be used that I might proclaim your word, your message of hope and life in Christ, especially in a world right now bent on killing itself, it seems. And here... We have Peter having to deny himself, basically, because he's denying Christ. And he's going to be found in Christ because, just as Colossians 3 tells us, we've died and we've been hidden (laughs) in Christ. (laughs) Here, Peter denies it. says, no, I'm not one of his disciples, when one of them asks, 
as he's warming himself. But then one of the others, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, did I not see you in the garden with him? How often it is, church, that we have a hard time escaping our past. How often it is that we have people who know us so well that they can name our sins for us. And how often it is at those times, more than ever, we need to proclaim Christ. As, as uh, Newton says, there's two things I know for sure, that I'm a great sinner and Christ is a great Savior. Times for us to be able to say, no, I have a Christ. God incarnate, made flesh, for my sake, that he might die and rise to kill my sin, to put me to death and raise me to new life. And here too, it's interesting that it takes, God uses a chicken, a rooster, to announce the sentence on Peter, announce to him that Christ was right, you were going to deny me three times to make it true, and that there are times when we need to have that sentence pronounced over us, that even in our worship services, there should be time spent. You know, I'm lucky enough in our liturgical context that we have the confession and absolution every single Sunday, but we confess, confess regularly that we are in bondage to sin and we cannot free ourselves. And we need to have that happen regularly, and that needs to become part of us to have that cock crow, but not that we might be left there, but that too we might hear the gospel ourselves. So that our worship might empower us not only to proclaim to others the good news of Christ, but that the good news of Christ might be proclaimed to us because how often do we forget and we need to hear it. Well, church, that's all we have for this week. Next week, we enter into Pilate and his time uh, with Jesus here in John 18. And we're going to hear him ask, a very powerful question, what is truth? If you've enjoyed these these episodes, please take time to write us a review, send us a message, let us know how things are going, where you are listening from even. Um, it, is a, it is a joy and a privilege to do these episodes, no matter how many listeners that we have, so that the study of the scriptures might be out there and the discussion of who Christ is and what he has done for us and how it relates to our life as a way of freeing us from sin, death, and the devil is important, not only for me as a pastor to be able to do that work of proclaiming the word, but also, I hope, important to you that you might hear it. So I, again, as always, I ask that you might go with the blessings of God upon you. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.